I hope when people hear this, or if they look me up, what impresses them isn't my gender. What impresses them is my experience, my qualifications, and my resume. And I think that, you know, I have spent 25 years where being a woman has been an issue. <laughs> and I would love to be in a world where it just wasn't even something that was considered important or relevant. Welcome to The First 16. I'm your co-host, Kirk Finken. And I'm your other co-host, Sarah Boivin-Chabot. The voice you heard at the opening was Kathleen Sullivan, CEO of Food and Beverage Canada. And in this episode, we are talking with women in positions of leadership in our sector. So in addition to Kathleen, we have two other guests. Mary Robinson, the president of the Canadian Federation of Agriculture, and the Honorable Marie-Claude Bibot, Minister of Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada. Together, these three women represent a major shift in the agricultural and food sector. They're the first women to ever be leading their organization. And all three are accomplished and strong leaders. They're also advocates for making our sector welcoming and inclusive for all, women, youth, and minorities. And inclusive at all levels, in the field, in the processing plants, in the boardrooms, and in the corridors of power. All right, but before the interviews, we have this small public service announcement. You know, we all have a stake in making this an inclusive and diverse sector. This is a conversation we all have to hear. From the combine to the boardroom, it's all about keeping our sector on the cutting edge of competitiveness in the global market and the labor market. I'm glad you mentioned the labor market. Of course, we know that women make up 50% of the population. But according to the Canadian Agricultural Human Resources Council, women account for only 30% of the total agricultural workforce. And when we look up at the proportion of women who go on to assume leadership roles, it gets even thinner. And we know this. More women than men graduate with post-secondary degrees in agriculture and business. So there's a bigger pool of qualified women than men when they finish university. So where are they going? What's happening? What is keeping women out of our industry and, importantly, out of the upper ranks of our industry? And as a sector, how can we prevent that brain drain? You know, it's not about changing women. They're already qualified. It's about men and women changing the system together. I just really want to make that point there. Okay, but I want to start with Mary Robinson's pitch. A pitch? It's, it's not Dragon's Den. Yeah, her pitch for the sector. Let's not forget, she's the president of the Canadian Federation of Agriculture, but she's also a managing partner of a sixth-generation family farm operation in PEI. She's all about the possibility and the potential of our sector. It's perhaps one of the best-kept secrets, Sarah, but farming actually offers the most incredible diversity in a job ever. You name any any job you can think of, and I bet you there is an equivalent in agriculture that offers greater diversity, greater work-life balance, and a greater place to grow up and raise your kids. It's, it, you can't beat it. My work day is inundated with variety, as also is my year, because the seasons obviously uh, require different work. Yeah, I have science, I have technology, I have heavy equipment, I have uh, the great outdoors. I get to see some of the most beautiful places. There's way more than dirt under your fingernails and a sore back. 
oh, there's so much excitement. And we also have plant breeding opportunities. We've got uh, veterinary medicine, which is so interesting. I met with the Dean's Council this week and the work and the opportunities that the Dean's Council could tell you about in agriculture, you have soil science, you have biology. You think of the journey that food makes from when it's a seed until it's on your fork going in your mouth. And that is a long, complex journey that requires a whole lot of science, a whole lot of business. And perhaps one of the most important parts of working in agriculture are the people. You will not meet better people, people that love to collaborate and come together and, and work to solve issues. It is the best part. Well, sign me up. Kirk, you're already signed up. <laughs> I know, but sign me up again. So, you know what? I hear the pitch. Well, how do we get more women working in this sector? How can we make it more inclusive? And yes, for this episode, we are focusing on gender diversity, but much of what these three talked about applies to diversity in the broadest sense, right? Kathleen Sullivan thinks we need to look at the system as a whole and reminded us who has to do some of the work. I don't think it's incumbent upon women or whoever is unrepresented alone to solve this problem, this is really a systemic problem. And this is where we talk about systemic discrimination, where it's not because any one person is bad or setting out to discriminate. There's something about the whole system that hasn't worked. If ultimately our leadership positions, as you narrow down the candidates, uh, is starting to look all with one particular characteristic, whatever that happens to be. I, I wouldn't want a board of directors that was all women either. I firmly believe that our leadership bodies need to be reflecting who we are now and who we really aspire to be. You know, I look at my board of directors now, for example, um, and it, it's a phenomenal board, the best board I've ever had, the best board I've ever worked with. And still, I think we're about 25% maybe 30% women, but probably closer to 25%. I, I think if you look, if you look at uh, employment overall in the food manufacturing sector where I work, uh, it is quite diverse, uh, particularly women, uh, new Canadians. Um, if you think of the line workers, the people who are actually working on, in the plants uh, manufacturing the food, as you get more and more senior into the executive roles, it becomes uh, more and more proportion disproportionately male. Again, a progress has been made, but I forget who it was who came out with a study who said that to get to full uh, gender equality globally, it's going to be 200 years. That study she referenced was done by the World Economic Forum, and it was 200 years globally. Here in North America, the prediction is a bit lower, but still much too far off. Change like this does take work on multiple fronts. There's no one and done solution, but I can't believe it's going to take 200 years before we see qualified women leading in our industry. Minister Bibo, what are your thoughts on that? We see that things are moving uh, in the right direction, but maybe not fast enough. We have all these women entrepreneurs taking care of the business, but also scientists in the ag sector. And just at Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada, we have 144 women scientists. And we see more women on the board of directors. And I think of Mary Robinson, who's the first woman president of the Canadian Federation of Agriculture, or Jane Halford, who is uh, the chair of Farm Credit Canada, for example. 
I think we still have uh, to uh, work hard to open the doors and to encourage these women because they have a lot to contribute. And certainly, Kathleen Sullivan does see some great work being done. In companies I work with, a lot of work is being done on that to really take a look at how do we uh, ensure systemically that we are enabling all of our employees, no matter what their backgrounds are, no matter what they look like, so that they have these equal opportunities uh, to succeed. And then equally, even in jobs that aren't executive level jobs, like if you think of skilled trades, for example, which is, you know, the electricians, the millwrights, predominantly male, you know, even if we wanted that, we don't have that luxury anymore. Our labor force is so tight right now. We need to be more inclusive in who we hire because we just need good people. And certainly going into COVID-19, there was historic unemployment in this country. We can't find enough people to do the jobs we need. But if you say we're going to deliberately go out and hire women to be in the skilled trades, and now you're introducing women into a field that is predominantly male and has a certain culture, you've got to make sure you have the right supports in there for all of your workers to ensure that the culture is adapting, is welcoming to people who may, to may, may be diverse. And so there's, there's work that goes into this and 100% of food companies across Canada are doing that kind of work, uh, partly because it's the right thing to do, but also that we need workers. On any given day, we're short 10% of our workforce. I mean, we need to be hiring the people who are best to do these jobs. And we need to make sure that our workforces are um, set up so that everybody feels welcome and wants to stay in those jobs. The culture piece that Kathleen brought up there is an important part of the systemic change. These have to be environments where everyone can see themselves reflected in management to know that it's possible to climb the ladder. Minister Bibo talked about her experience jumping into a new culture as well. Right. She's the first woman to be appointed Federal Minister of Agriculture. That's the first in 152 years. Talk about upsetting the apple cart. I was interested to know from Minister Bibo what that was like. When you were first appointed to the position of Minister of Agriculture and Agri-Food, what was the reaction when you walked into those first meetings with the stakeholders? Yes, I would uh, think that the tone of the conversation might have changed a little bit because most of my stakeholders are experienced men, but I would say that they have been very generous in sharing their knowledge uh, and they wanted to, they wanted me to be an ally as soon as possible. And honestly, I think they are all used to deal with uh, women at home who are strong-willed. What part of it was because you were a woman or because you were from outside the sector? I think there were three things. I was a woman. I was not coming from the ag sector and I was a francophone. I would say that the doubts came from these three elements. I had to show very quickly that I could learn fast and that I would also be as sensitive for the small family farms in Quebec as for the, the bigger type of agriculture and uh, export-oriented agriculture in the prairies, for example. It must have been a challenging first few months. Yeah. Kathleen had some experience starting out in her career that were gender-specific. She had to find her own path and her own solution. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you, when I started, there were 
no women for me to look up to in my job. Everybody virtually who was senior to me, more experienced than me was a man. Now, because perhaps it's sort of my generation that is sort of the first wave of women who are moving into executive positions, the women I turn to are really my peers. Still, I'm 55. It's very rare, certainly in agri-food, to find a woman who is older than me in a senior position. Uh, women you're talking to are probably about my age, right? We're kind of that first wave. And what I really had to, to do early on, it, and it was a hard lesson to learn because I, I constantly had very talented, very successful leaders that I worked with uh, wanting to mentor me or provide me with advice and very well-meaning. But their advice really, I I learned, didn't always apply to me. I I remember one uh, senior executive uh, gentleman, very successful, who was giving me uh, advice on my career. And at the end, he stopped and he said, uh, sort of self-reflecting, But of course, I didn't see my children much when they were growing up. I sort of laughed and I thought, well, how does that help me? (laughs) Because I plan to see my children growing up. (laughs) And and so it was was so interesting. It was completely well-intended. But I really had to learn that a lot of times when people were giving me uh, well-intended advice, I had to, in my head, sort out what of it was really applicable to me and useful to me and that I could draw on because the experience, my environment, my context was so different than the context for a lot of these, these older, very experienced, very successful men that I, that I was working with and who really were, were mentors, if you will. Both Minister Bibo and Kathleen Sullivan are not saying that there was a sign hanging out the boardroom saying no girls allowed. It's more that they were welcome, they walked in, And it's like everyone is discovering they just need to recalibrate and adjust. You know, I think Mary put it best. I definitely believe in the uh, the quote. I think it was uh, Marion Wright Edelman who said, "You you can't be what you can't see." And I think it's really important when we talk about women in agriculture. I think it's important for me to point out that here in PEI, which is what I know. Um, I saw women in these roles growing up, and I know it's not like that across the whole country or, or beyond Canada, uh, but I saw in particular Bertha Campbell, who's now on the FCC board. I think she's interim president of the board. Bertha lives down the road from, from us, and her husband and my dad used to be on the Canadian Hort Council together, and, and Bertha was a very strong mentor to me to bring me along. She was president of the PEI Federation before me, and before Bertha, we had another woman, so I didn't think it was at all out of the realm of possible. So I hope that where I am does the same for other women. Kathleen echoed that sentiment, but she went a little further in her reflections on role models and mentoring. I think by having women in senior positions, it allows younger women coming in to see that they too can be in a senior position. That doesn't mean they have to act like me, be like me, um, You know, I I think one of these things that happens sometimes is this idea that all women are the same. We're completely different, as as Sarah, you well know. (laughs) And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we all have different strengths and different weaknesses. And I think what helps you in being successful is really understanding those in yourself and really working to your strengths. 
so I, I always think it's very difficult for me to give advice to a younger woman on how she should be or how she should act. Um, because she's not me and she has to be true to who she is. I think by virtue of being in a CEO position, which is still not that common in this sector, I hope it signals to anybody that they too could be in that position. You're listening to interviews we did with Mary Robinson, president of the Canadian Federation of Agriculture, with Kathleen Sullivan, CEO of Food and Beverage Canada, and Marie-Claude Bibot, Federal Minister of Agriculture and Agri-Food. We're talking about women in leadership in the agricultural and agri-food sector. You know, Sarah, in, in listening to all three of our guests, one thing that is obvious is that people in leadership positions, women and men, all need to think about time. How so? Well, they all talked about time, like time in, in a lot of different senses, like work-life balance, time to give to those extra things that move careers forward, like boards and associations. Those are things that are like, they, they take time above and beyond the workday. Minister Bebo highlighted that one as a barrier as well, even while pointing out that women are often in the unofficial role of CFO or CEO on the farm. Obviously, work-life balance is a big issue. They are uh, very involved on the farm. They often are responsible for the finance of the business and they take first responsibility for the family most of the time. So they don't take as much time to build their network, uh, to make sure that they are informed of the latest uh, best practices or, you know, they are not saving times to participate in Congress and conferences. Yeah, work-life balance is like universal design. It makes work better for everyone and it might help fix our retention challenges. But if the industry is going to benefit from all these talented women, we need to go beyond CFO and COO for an individual farm. You know, these associations and boards are such an important pieces when moving up in leadership position. And you're right, they are quite a time commitment. I asked Mary how she ended up at the CFA. So how did you decide first to get involved? What was your motivation? So in 2008, my husband and I have two children and uh, they at that point were four and two years old. And I said I wanted to do something more. So I, I actually reached out to the PEI Federation of Agriculture and asked them if they would ever need someone like me. I think the guy actually dropped the phone because he'd never actually received a call with someone saying, I'd like to be involved. And the next thing I knew I was on the board uh, and then as, as a county rep. And then from there I was brought up to be uh, on the executive. And then from there I went through the, the ranks to eventually become president and past president. And in there I had opportunity to join the Canadian Ag HR Council. It is incredibly difficult for someone in their 30s or in their 40s or in their 20s to step away from their full-time job that's incredibly demanding and to give to an organization like a, a Federation of Agriculture. That's just an issue of timing. If, if all of us look at our lives and say, so when are we going to have the least amount of time? It's when we're starting our business. It's when we're raising our family. It's when we're finding our spouse or, you know, whatever it is. That's, that's a time when you don't have a whole lot to give beyond your own life. So I think we have to be realistic in what we're asking of people uh, to take on outside of their own existence roles. You know, what puts the gas in their pickup truck? 
Minister Bebo had an interesting observation. Just a personal observation. I've noted more women in the the team and as director of the um, Farmers Association, but not so many more around boards of director. So I think we should celebrate that they are more present in the organization, but they also have to be there where the decisions are taken. And what's your take on this, Mary? I agree 100%. And when I look around the different organizations I've been involved with and continue to be involved with, I, I think of some of the extraordinary women who uh, make sure those organizations are running ship shape. I think of Portia McDonald Dewhurst at the Canadian Ag HR Council as executive director. The World Farm Organization, their executive director is a woman as well. Uh, Traveling in uh, Denmark, we met lots of women who were on the board of the the Danish Federation. Uh, And I think what needs to happen in Canada for us to see more women coming up through the ranks to the role that I'm in, we need to see more provincial organizations and commodity organizations cultivating opportunities for women. And making sure that those women realize that we're not just looking to tick off a box to say we have a woman at the table, but instead there are always going to be people regardless of gender who we need to identify who bring excellent skill sets to the table. And it's, I know in Prince Edward Island, Uh, when we go looking for new members for our board, we're always trying to identify strong people that will also represent some of the diversity that we're lacking around the table. And it does take a lot of work. The more perspectives you can have around a table, it just makes the board so much stronger. It seems that we're thinking that we have a systemic problem that needs to be addressed by the system, which is true but can be daunting and very long and seem unmovable. We can also start by changing a little thing, like the way we approach mentorship, right? I find for people sitting around the table, they might not realize that they are viewed as having seniority. And for those people with seniority to kind of reach over and say to, whether it's Paul Glenn, who sits on our board for the Canadian Young Farmers, to say to Paul, you're doing really great, Paul, you know, speak up more. You've got lots to bring to the table and, and people want to hear it. And you got to, you've got to, I've been pushing Paul along in particular to have that confidence to move forward because not only do we need more women around our boardroom tables, but we need more youth. The people who have mentored me kind of unofficially, I've not had official mentors, but unofficially, a lot of those have been men. And I, I read an article recently where, where someone was saying, you know, I, I really want to look, looking at the structure of this business, I really want to hate all these white guys that are in senior management. I, I want them to be absolute jerks, but they're not. They're good guys. They have daughters. They brag about their daughters. They're, you know, those guys are just traveling the path that was laid out in front of them. The challenge for mentorship to me is when does someone realize They're at that stage in their life where they can mentor someone else. It's recognizing that the people who have traveled the journey uh, have seen the sights and can really offer you some advice. You got to be open to it. So I think it's a, it's a two way street, the whole mentorship thing. And whether they get mentorship or not, Kathleen had some great advice for new people in the industry. 
ultimately you're hired by your organization to uh, say the truth that needs to be said and don't ever let anyone make you feel that because of your gender, your race, your religion, anything else, that you don't have as much right to say it as anyone else. Sometimes that can be hard, even, even just by virtue of being young. You know, you walk in a room sometimes and you see people who are all in their 50s or older and have 25 years under their belt and, and you're sometimes intimidated to say what you need to say. Uh, don't be. Make sure that it comes from a, a good place, that it's uh, substantive and has been thought out and say what, say what needs to be said. You know, I, I, as I always like to say, for those of us who've been around for a long time, we haven't solved those problems yet. So it would be, uh, I, I think sometimes we need to open our ears and listen to what, to what other people have to say or how they think it should be done, because sometimes it, it's how you do it uh, is equally important. I am just going to repeat those last two words, equally important. So mentorship and representation are crucial. And we have to harness those two strategies to improve diversity in our industry. I come back to what Kathleen says. It's all of us, yes. But people in leadership have to take a lead on this. So does your board represent the future that Kathleen mentioned? Who are you mentoring? How are you building a culture in your respective organization where underrepresented groups feel they can fully participate in the sector and, and rise into leadership positions? I would add, on top of mentorship, there's some basics around times too. Like if you've organized a series of networking events, were you able to include everyone? Could the networking event be at a different time of day to make it easier for everyone to attend? You have to meet people to meet mentors. They don't fall out from the sky. And we can all be mentors and leaders to make sure we see real change that our industry can capitalize on. So we've solved it. We talked about it. <laughs> Now we need to act on it. Yeah, but before everyone gets up and do so, we want to thank these three for coming on the show. We hope to have them back for future episodes to talk about subjects like labor and innovation. Let us know about how you're making our sector better. Let us know if you would like to hear about specific topics. We love hearing from you. And until next time, you know what to do. Try something new. <laughs>